are listening to the Grassroots Sermon Podcast. For more information about who we are or how you can become involved, please visit us at grassrootswv.com. Good morning, Grassroots Church. We're going to go to scripture reading. We'll be in 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 1. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will become lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith, but they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. You, however, have followed my teachings, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my, perse- my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured yet. From them all, the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for corruption, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Let us pray. God, what a blessing it is. God, just be amongst a group of believers here in Grassroots Church this morning. God, I just thank you for the opportunity to be here. Thank you, God, just for your love and kindness. God, as we go into a time of teaching, I just pray, God, that you would just speak through Darren. God, just open our hearts to the message. And God, as we leave here this morning, that we might just use that just to to grow closer to you. Most importantly, God, we give you thanks for the sacrifice that was made on the cross for our sins. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you, Larry. Appreciate you. All right. I am inviting you to grab your Bibles. Go to 2 Timothy. I meant to bring water up here and forgot, but it's okay. We'll make it through. We'll make it through. Um, We are starting a brand new series today. It's a five-week series, and it is a five-week series in what is known as the five solas, okay? The five solas. Now, you might be asking, uh, what are the five solas? um, Where did we get them? 
okay? Who put them together? That type of question. And I want to put some, I want to put some hearts at ease, okay? Uh, just because I don't, want, I don't want anybody sitting on guard the whole time we teach this. Um, the five solas come from something known as the Protestant Reformation. Okay, now if you are a part of Covenant Community here, if you've been around here uh, very long at all, you know just personally the elders here at the church uh, swim in a stream of theology known as Reformed theology. Um, but I, I want to make sure everybody knows this isn't my attempt at a five week series to like convert you to Calvinism. Okay, that's not what I'm trying to do. What I think you're going to see is in these five solas, um, not Calvinistic doctrine, okay, but what we're going to see is what we as all Christians should be leaning on, okay? So I just, I always get afraid that when I do something like this, comes from the Protestant Reformation, everybody's like, oh, here goes Darren again, you know, trying to, you know, turn us to reform theology. That's not what I'm doing, okay? Um, I'm just excited about uh, the five solas that were um, comprised because of um, a part of the movement of the Protestant Reformation and what it is. Um, we're going to put uh, the first graphic. You got the first graphic up there for us? Um, Donnie, okay, uh, if you look, these were kind of tenets of the Roman Catholic Church, okay? And you can see that they were saying, hey, you are saved by grace. Did you bring me water? This man right here is a servant. Okay, right when you did that, I thought people were clapping, but it was, he was just shaking a cup full of, uh, Teddy was just shaking, and I was like, man, he's getting an applause. But then I look, and Debbie actually was clapping, so... Thank you, Larry. That was appreciated very much. Now, be honest. What'd you put in it? Be honest. I'm going to have it tested after. Um, just kidding. But they said, the church said, you are saved by grace plus merit, okay, which would be works, okay, um, that you are saved through faith, you know, plus those works, that you... Um, we come to uh, our relationship with God uh, in Christ plus other mediators. You, you might hear about praying to the saints, uh, things like that. Um, that we stand on Scripture plus tradition. Okay, so the, the, the tradition of the church, the history of the church, the, what they've deemed. And then it was to God's glory, but also the glory of Mary and other saints. Like these were kind of five tenets of the Roman Catholic Church that um, just a little over now, 500, actually 503 years ago, uh, that the Protestant Reformation happened. And uh, if you're not familiar with, the, with it, it's, it kind of kicked off with Martin Luther nailing what's known as the 95 Thesis uh, to a chapel door in Germany. And it was actually on Halloween night, uh, October 31st. So two weeks from tomorrow, uh, we'll actually make it, uh, or two weeks from yesterday, we'll actually make it uh, 503 years exactly. And what this is, is just recognizing through Scripture uh, that these five things, that it is not uh, through grace and merit, through faith and works to the glory of God and Mary and other saints, by Christ and other mediators, and in Scripture plus tradition. That's what they were realizing through Scripture. Y'all, Larry, thank you. Like, you're a lifesaver today, buddy. But go ahead and go to the next one. We want to eliminate what is added to, and that's the five solas. Okay, it means by grace alone, 
okay, through faith alone, in Christ alone, that we learn in Scripture alone, to God's glory alone. We are not adding anything to those things. And that's what we're going to see over the next five weeks. Uh, we're going to take a time each week to look at one of these um, to help us understand where we stand biblically in grace, faith, Christ, Scripture, and the glory of God alone. Okay, And so just so you understand where we're coming from and why we're doing this, we're going to start today with what's known as sola scriptura. Okay, I think you can maybe deem which one that is, okay? That is through Scripture alone. And the reason we're going to start with Scripture alone is the rest of those uh, five, the other four, are going to come out of Scripture, okay? We're going to build those doctrines on Scripture. So we want to start with Scripture. I remember teaching Bible class at Seneca Trail Christian Academy, and uh, you know we did a big series on uh, can we trust the Bible? Because I can teach you the Bible all day long, but if you don't trust it, um, we're not going to get very far. And so I want to I want to start with Scripture alone today uh, in order to um, kind of build faith for the rest of the series. So um, we want to do this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a quote, uh, man, Paul Washer. Uh, as an evangelist, actually doesn't live far from here in Radford, Virginia, uh, talking about anything that we build on uh, something other than Scripture. He said, anything that we built that is not founded on the Word of God, no matter how great our intentions, how sincere our motives, if it's not founded upon the Word of God, is a house of cards. Has anybody ever done that where you took playing cards and you know you have to be real gentle because the slightest little nudge or anything just drops it, just collapses it. And that's what he's trying to help us understand. Anything that we as Christians, that we as the church, the bride of Christ, anything we build on other than the word of God is, you know, especially as, as you know, Jesus helps us understand, is that shifting sand. It's a house of cards and it will fall. Um, you know that we are a part of the Southern Baptist Convention, okay? Uh, we say SBC for short. And the doctrinal statement for the Southern Baptist Convention is known as the Baptist Faith and Message, okay? It's got a, they call it the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 because it was uh, kind of reworked in 2000, so 20 years ago. Um, but we just call it the Baptist Faith and Message. And the statement in the Baptist Faith and Message on uh, the Bible is, is the same one we used in ours, uh, our statement of faith here at Grassroots Church says this, the Holy Bible was written by men divinely inspired and is God's revelation of himself to man. It is a perfect treasure of divine instruction. It has God for its author, salvation for its end and truth without any mixture of error for its matter. Therefore, all scripture is totally true and trustworthy. It reveals the principles by which God judges us and therefore is and will remain to the end of the world the true center of Christian union and the supreme standard by which all human conduct, creeds, and religious opinions should be tried. All Scripture is a testimony to Christ, who is himself the focus of divine revelation. For those of you that are note-takers, I'm sorry. Just, I apologize. I realize you're writing frantically. Uh, we, we take notes in our class. Uh, I'm I've gone back to school, and Monday and Tuesday nights, I quit taking notes and just started screenshotting everything that he put on the computer. <laughs> and so, like, you see these guys, like, all we see the whole class long is the top of their heads uh, because they're sitting there writing. 
And I'm just kind of like, tink. Oh, tink. <laughs> just kind of, you know, because I, I can't write that fast. But uh, understanding, this is why we want to focus on God's word, because we recognize it as his revelation of who he is to us as his creation. And, and we don't get to pick and choose what parts of it we like and don't like. And I think we can all be honest that sometimes you read something in the Bible and it's like, you know what? I really wish I didn't have to follow that. I really wish I didn't have to believe that. It'd be a lot easier if I didn't have to. In fact, um, has anybody here ever heard of something called the Jefferson Bible? Anybody ever heard of something called, a couple of y'all? A couple of y'all? I told Kelly about it this week, so she heard about it. Um, the Jefferson Bible is a Bible, you know, that was done by Thomas Jefferson, you know, one of our founding fathers. Thomas Jefferson was not actually a Christian. He was a deist. He believed in God. He believed there was a God, but he did not believe that God interacted with our world today. And what he did was he took the Bible, and you can actually get online. The Smithsonian has a digital copy of this Bible online that you can read. And he literally took a knife and glue to the Bible and cut out everything he didn't like about it, which included any of the supernatural because once again, he didn't believe that God interacted with the world today, so there is no supernatural. Um, and he took out anything that would be what we would call Trinitarian, that God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one, separate yet one God, can be in different places, but never apart from one another, the doctrine of the Trinity. And he took those things out because he actually called them deplorable doctrines, and how, how can we believe that? In fact, welcomed the day when we would move past that as a society and as a church to, you know, kind of a higher understanding to know that that couldn't be possible. And so he literally went through the Bible and cut and pasted his own version that set better with him. And, and I think as Christians that would trust Scripture wholly and completely, we would, we would kind of recoil from that and think, you know, very, um, you know, almost, I'm going to use this word, it's kind of a harsh word, but, but how disgusting that is that he would think he is higher than the Word of God to understand what should and shouldn't be in there. But I'm going to be honest, a lot of times we live in that way. We don't actually take a knife to the Word of God, but our actions in our day-to-day -day life do. And so we, we step back and go, okay, hold on. Let's start to get a real look and understanding of how we should view the Word of God and how it should be changing our lives. And so today we start with sola scriptura. And so I invite you to 2 Timothy, which Larry did a great job reading. Although, Larry, did you realize you did that? I'm going to give you a hard time just because I love you and, and you give me a hard time. Um, just in case anybody was listening, um, it, the Word of God is not for corruption, it's for correction. <laughs> and I'm going to be honest, there's times that I have, I've gone back and listened to my own teaching and been like, I said that? I didn't even realize. In fact, the worst one one time, we did a series years ago in grassroots called From Dark to Light. And I don't know how many of y'all remember that series, but we actually had a backdrop where it had big letters that said dark and big letters that said light. And I kept saying, um, you know, we're talking about the scripture. It talks about as Christians, we move from dark to light. But um, I had, when I turn around and look at the thing, the word light was first and then dark. And I had a lady come up to me afterwards and go, do you realize the whole time you were preaching, you kept saying we move from light to dark? 
And I was like, I did not. And so the next week, I made sure the words were flipped so that when I looked back, I'd read them the proper way. But, but in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, um, there's something that we need to realize in what's going on in this chapter, um, in this book. First of all, this is a letter from the Apostle Paul to a disciple of his, a young pastor named Timothy. Okay, At this time, Paul is in his second imprisonment in Rome. This is actually going to be his final imprisonment, okay? He doesn't have very long to live after this. So he is writing to Timothy, who's in Ephesus as a pastor, as an elder leading the church, and he's trying to help him understand that as a pastor, here's what you need to be doing. Here, here's kind of my final instruction to you. You know, I, you know we, we, I hate to put it, I hate to even talk about it. How many of you have met our, our dog, Reese? Our Great Dane. We have a Great Dane named Reese, um, and she's old, and and she struggles to get around, and and so we we kind of have this thing where we use her voice, and we say, you know, she'll tell us that she's not long for this world, you know, she doesn't have much. Long. In all honesty, Paul is not long for this world at this point. He does not have many days left, and so he wants to give Timothy the things that he needs to know, um, kind of a, a parting word to him. And uh, we see him uh, start in verses 1 through 9, and it says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. From among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning, never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Jonathan Jonvers opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith, but they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. Now, I think when we read that first part of that, he says, in the last days, there will be people that do this, 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 this. Okay, what we need to understand, I think we would step back and go, look at the world around us. We see that. We see it present. We would point at things all over the world. Except, understand, Paul was not talking about the world around us. He is actually saying these people will be present in the church. Now, understand, we're not talking church big C as in they are a part of the bride of Christ, the church universal, but in and amongst the meeting of the church. And the reason we know that just so you don't think I'm like just trying to spit random knowledge. When it talks about in verse 5, having the appearance of godliness, okay, but denying the power of that. Verse 7, always learning but never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. And then in verse 8, disqualified regarding the faith. Verse 9, their folly will be plain to all. These are men and women that are present within the church. That when the church gathers, they're there. He's saying, watch out. For these people, they are not believers. They are not Christians. They are not actually a part of the body of Christ. And so he's given a profile to Timothy to be careful of these. But he goes on, starting in verse 10. You, so Paul says, you, Timothy, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life. 
my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet for them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Paul points out, here's people in the church that are not remaining faithful. They are showing they are not children of God. However, you, Timothy, you have been faithful. He says, you've first been faithful to me, Paul, okay, as your discipler, the one teaching you. But not just that. Look at what he says in verse 14 and 15. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. He actually says, Timothy, you've remained faithful first to me, but to what you have learned, okay? What Paul has taught him from Scripture, he's been faithful to that. What he has learned, what Timothy has learned from childhood in the Bible, in the Scripture, he has been faithful to that. He has had family members that have been faithful to teach him the Word of God, and he has been faithful to learn it, to trust it, and to follow it. So he is saying, you know, there are people that will show themselves to not follow the word of God. You, Timothy, have followed the word of God. You have followed what you've learned. And then he goes on to tell him, okay? Then he goes on to tell him what the word of God is here for. Now, before I go there, I want to I share, um, anybody ever heard of something called the Jesus Seminar? Nobody? Kind of sounds cool. Jesus seminar. Teach us about Jesus. Yeah, we'll have a seminar. Okay. Um, This was actually a collection of people, and I'm going to use air quotes, scholars. Okay, just so you're, so we know where we're going with that. They got together and went through the New Testament, primarily the Gospels, and what they had um, were colored beads. Each scholar had colored beads, and each color stood for something. And what it stood for, the first one would be, um, definitely didn't happen. The next color was, probably didn't happen. The next one was, I don't know. Then the next color was, probably happened. And the final color was, definitely happened. After uh, days and weeks, I'm glad you remember that, Rodney. I just got a text from Rodney. Okay, so you didn't know I had my watch on me. Um, And so he'll probably text me again. But uh, these color beads, what they would do after these days and weeks of meeting, um, they would talk about, they started in the first verse of Matthew chapter 1, and and they went all the way through the Gospels, and and they would basically, after the end of each little section, they would uh, vote with their bead. And they came out with a color-coded Bible where over three-quarters of that Bible they had deemed, okay, in those Gospels that it definitely didn't happen. Once again, left to our own intelligence, we put ourselves above the Word of God and stand going, I don't think that happened. 
I don't like that. I don't want to listen to that. And that's why, uh, not a court, not because of the Jesus seminar, because of things like that. Um, there's a Baptist faith, a message. Well, Baptist confession, the 1689 Baptist confession, uh, says this about uh, the Bible. One of their statements on the Bible is the authority of the Holy Scripture, for which it ought to be believed depends not upon the testimony of any man or church, but wholly upon God, who is truth itself, the author thereof. Therefore, it is to be received because it is the word of God. We do not determine truth. We do not determine what is right and wrong in God's word. We accept it as God's word. And listen, we have to live by it. And, and Paul says in this passage, all those that desire to live a godly life, will suffer persecution. And understanding, it's, listen, right now, it's actually pretty easy to go, you know what, I love Jesus. That's easy. Say that around town, say that around your coworkers. I love Jesus. Not a whole lot of people are going to be upset about that. Say you're a Christian. Some people maybe start to categorize you and, and not really want to be around you or, or start to think things about you that might not be true, but say you're a Christian. Let's see what happens. But now, here's, here's the real kicker, and I'm just going to throw this out here for all of us, okay? Live according to the Word of God and see how quickly persecution comes. It's not just this, I love Jesus, can't we all get along? But once we live according to the Word of God, because we don't determine what is truth and what is not, we have to accept it. And he goes into um, verse 16, helping him see what Scripture is here for. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Scripture is God-breathed. It came from his mouth. He worked through men to put pen to paper, but it is breathed out by God, giving us His declaration of who He is, who we were created to be in our rebellion, what we have done to move away from God, and through Jesus, what He has done to bring us back. That is what the Word of God is. It is God-breathed. And it says it's profitable. I love that that word is used. It's profitable. It's for our good. It's to our advantage. A lot of times it might feel like it's not but it is for our good. It is to our advantage. And he gives four things, teaching, reproof, correction, and training. And quite simply put, I'm going to boil those all down because to be honest, we could probably take a week going over each one of those, but boiling them down, teaching, he is going to, through the word of God, teach us what we need to know. Okay. This is what we need to know. Reproof is showing us where we're getting off track. Okay. Correction is how to get back on track. And then the last one is training is where we need to be going as Christians. So quite simply put, God's word is given to us to show us what we need to know, to teach us what we need to know, to show us where we're getting off track from God's word, to get us back on track, and then to show us where we need to be going. That's what God's word is here for. And then he finishes it off in verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. We will lack nothing. Do you, do you lack wisdom? 
It's in God's word. Do you lack understanding? It's in God's word. Do you lack direction? It's in God's word. Do you lack understanding of who you are? It's in God's word. Do you wonder why you were created? It's in God's word. Do you wonder what God's will for your life is? It's in God's word. Because Paul shows us that all these things are here, that we will be fully equipped, lacking nothing. And so I want to just, I want to just end with just a couple questions. Do we feel fully equipped? Do we feel fully equipped? We've set four goals, and we're going to share them. Uh, the first Sunday in January is what we call Revision Sunday. Okay, it's not, a, it's not a, a new vision, but it's a return to our vision. We want to be reminded why God put us here as Grassroots Church. And we've set four goals uh, for this coming year. And one of those goals is biblical literacy. We want the church to be able to handle the word on their own. We want them to be able to, you know, dive deep into the word of God without having to have, you know, preacher on Sunday morning, you know, spoon feeding it to them. We want you to dive into this and love being in the word of God. Because quite often we don't feel fully equipped. Here's, let me give you this visual to kind of go with. And this isn't like, I don't want you to feel shame or guilt or anything like, like just, I'm giving you a visual to work with because I'm, that's how my brain works. Um, you know, you draw cartoons in your brain. Anybody else? No, just me. Okay. Um, here, here's the visual I want to give you. Do y'all remember uh, as a child, you get that new toy and that new toy was it. You didn't want anybody else touching it. Brother or sister, we're not allowed to play with it. That was your new toy. And I can remember my brother, my brother was really good at saving money, really good at saving money. I was not. And he would save up money and get like a new transformer. And I remember, man, just sitting. And you know what I was thinking? I was like, I can't wait till he gets tired of that toy. Because then it's my turn. And I'd, I'd watch and everything. But he played with it. He played with it. He played with it. And then it got to a point where it was like, yeah, I'm done with that. And then it was my turn. And I'd play with it, play with it, play with it. Guess what? then I'd be done with it. And I have to wait for him to buy another toy. But we do that with the Word of God where we are so enthralled by it when we first learn, when the Spirit first enters. We want to glean from it. We learn from it. We want to dive into it. But then we get this idea, you know what? The Bible will always be there. I'll get to it one day. Or, or we wake up in the morning and we go, listen, I can either um, you know, catch up on my news or watch my show or have a cup of coffee or read the Bible. And we go, well, um, you know, I need the coffee for the morning. Uh, you know, my show, I don't get to watch it as often. You know, but the Bible will be there this evening. And we get back from work and, and then it's like, well, okay, I, I'm going to read my Bible, but first I'm going to clean or maybe I'm going to get dinner ready or I'm going to play with the kids or, you know, maybe I've got, you know, something going on or i got a show to watch. And you go, you know what, you know what, the Bible will be there in the morning and I'll get to it then. We almost treat it. Has, has anybody ever had like a, a restaurant or a store that closed down and you remember being regretful because you go, you know what, I always meant to go there. But it's like, I, I just thought it would always be there. And I think we treat the Bible like that as Christians, where we go, I'll get to it. And, and I want to encourage you in this. This is, this is a little bit of a rebuke, but it's an encouragement, okay? Um, 
if you think you don't need to go to it anymore because you know what? I just kind of know what it says. You, you haven't even begun. One of my favorite things is when I go to a passage of Scripture that I've preached on, which means I've studied it, and something new pops out. And I'm like, I didn't see that last time. Holy crap. You've only just begun. Now a bunch of you are singing that song in your head. I apologize. But I do want to ask, if you're in here or if you're watching, and maybe you don't know Christ as Savior, maybe if you don't know you have a relationship with him, you would look at the Bible and go, what's the point? And I would encourage you, that what the truth of Scripture does is lead us to an understanding of who created us, why He created us, how we've rebelled against Him, and through Jesus on the cross, what He has done to bring us back into a relationship with Him, and what it does is bring us back to Him and our, um, you know, our life lived out in repentance and and giving our lives over to Him. For those that you know in here watching that might not know Christ as Savior. This leads us to repentance and a trust in Jesus and faith in Christ and what he did on the cross, winning that victory for us, paying for our sins. So I I leave you with this, Christian. Do you feel equipped? What's keeping us from deeper times in this word? And for those that might not know Christ as Savior, dive in. It'll lead you to the truth of who you were created to be and who it was that created you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for our time together today. God, we just glorify you. We thank you for your word. Lord, it is a treasure above any other. We just thank you that you have left us with this to give us the understanding of who we are and who we are in you, who you are. Lord, in that one day you are showing through your word the eternity that we get to spend with you if we have faith in Jesus. We just ask for those that are here or listening that might not know you as Savior, that don't know if they have a relationship with you, that through your word proclaimed, through your word read, or through your word heard, that you would give them the faith they need uh, to trust you. And Lord, for your children that are present and listening, that we would recognize that There's no excuse worthy of keeping us from your word. That we would get rid of those excuses, that we would would dive in deeper and deeper. Lord, thank you. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name.